0: Seems like we were just here not too long ago. Welcome back. You know, we say in the creed, we recite in the creed, that the Lord will come again to judge the living and the dead. We believe that the Lord will, you know, there will be the second coming of Christ. But you know, it's been 2,000 years since he came the first time. So, you know, we might think, You might think he's late or something. You know, is he really going to come back? I mean, do we really believe that that's what's going to happen? Because, you know, to wait more than 2,000 years seems, it seems like maybe we got something wrong. You know, maybe we misunderstood something. Now, if we're to look, though, at Israel, if we're to look at the Jewish people, they were waiting for the Messiah for thousands of years as well. They were waiting and waiting and and they would hear the prophets say he's the Messiah is coming. You know, he's going to redeem his people. God will save us. Wait, wait on the Lord and they waited and they waited and they waited. And thousands of years later, some 2000 years or so, in that small stable in Bethlehem, their savior came. So when we consider Waiting according to God's time, it's a little different than waiting according to our time. You know, he thinks in terms of centuries. He really thinks in terms of eternity. But he thinks in long terms, as opposed to the short term. The other other question I think good for us to ruminate about is, why did he save us this way? In other words, if, if the Lord just wanted to save us from our sins, he could have just done so, right? He could have just said, you are all forgiven. You presently living, you uh, previously living and those to come, you're all forgiven. I wipe away original sin. I wipe away, you know, the, the effects of actual sin. Heaven is open. Everyone gets in. <laughs> and he didn't do it that way. It would have seemed the easier way to do things. Instead, God becomes man. The second person of the Blessed Trinity, who is, of course, divine, takes on our human nature. He unites divinity with humanity. And in doing so, he says a few things to us through that action. It tells us, for one thing, that he takes responsibility for us. I mean, he created us. In, in, a, in a sense, it's all his fault, which I've told him numerous times. Thank you for laughing. Yeah, you know, <laughs> it's all falling apart. Well, it's your fault anyway, you know. It doesn't go very far, but it makes me feel good for a little bit. But you know, in this sense, it's his fault. You know, he started it all. You know, he's the one who created the heavens and the earth. He's the ones who, who created us, you know, with freedom. He's the one who gave us the possibility of sinning, not that he caused our sin, we cause our sin, but he's the one who, who set up the conditions for which it could take place, and he knows that, right? And, and he thought it worth the risk or, or worth the consequences that he would give us that freedom so that we could love him back, because he didn't want just a bunch of robots, he wanted people who would love him back, and to be able to love him back, we need free will. So he gives us the free will, but that also allows us to sin. So by him becoming man and taking on our nature, he takes responsibility and becomes one of us. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't remain this God who is far off, this God who is far away from us. Right? We heard in the gospel today, uh, Emmanuel, that, that name means God is with us. He's not apart from us, this separate God far away. He's a God who has taken on our nature, who desires to be close to us, so close to us that He becomes one of us. And then, of course, through the the Paschal mystery, right? As He takes on our nature, and then through, through His death and resurrection, and then His ascension, He takes our human nature back up into heaven. For Jesus always remains God and man. He always remains 100% God, 100% man. So he takes our nature back to his heavenly Father and reunites us with the Father, just as we once had this, this close, intimate relationship at our first creation. So what this tells us then, this action of God in what we call the incarnation, or Christmas, you know, the celebration of Christmas, is that we have a God who wants to be close to us. Not a God who is demanding of us. A God who comes as a little child, as a baby. Innocent. right? A child who, who is not imposing. Is not, uh, as I said, demanding. Isn't trying to coerce us into something. But instead a God who merely needs to be received. You know, just like, just like a child is is received and held. We have a God who simply wants to be received, a God who wants to be close. This is what our Lord offers us this night. This is what the Lord offers us every day of our lives, that close intimacy. He wants to be a part of your life. He wants to be close to you, as close as you will let him. And all we need to do is receive that gift, Like Mary, like Joseph, to simply say, yes, Lord, come into my life in a more profound way. Please stand.